1: The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space.
0: Now this is something I don't believe we've ever spoken about before. Um
1: Amy, what do you know about holograms or holographic imagery? Oh man, right straight out of the gate, something that i <laughs> it's going to make me sound stupid. <laughs> um I really don't know much, I'll be honest. Like I really in terms of like any science behind it. When I think of like Holograms actually the first thing that comes to mind is gem and the holograms mm-hmm. but great the, great that <laughs> but that's neither here nor there about this type of hologram um, the second thing that comes to mind unfortunately is the performance on maybe the VMAs where Janet Jackson like performed with a hologram of Michael Jackson Oh did they do that. I'm thinking. I don't remember what performance it was, but I know another one where Tupac was a hologram. Probably, I'm sure. That's what I'm I'm thinking of. Yeah, so I don't know much about the science, if that's what the question is, but I know about times. I believe I also saw a show. It's all about it's all like shows or performances I've seen where it was the musical of the movie Ghost, and I believe they used holograms in that as well. Weird. Um, yeah, they had some cool special effects in that show. But so, but the actual science of them, not familiar.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I can't say that I am either. And weirdly, I didn't expect holography, which is what it's called, um, to turn out to be a thing in the show that we watched this week. Um, yeah. But, so... From what I have now gathered, because I've got good old Wikipedia up here, um, Mm -hmm. that, like, the the way holography works is that you have an object that then various um, laser beams are directed at the object Mm -hmm. and then reflected... Outward, so like, um, I mean, this Wikipedia page is not super helpful, um, because the object that they're showing is just like a cube. Um, Mm -hmm. but basically, my understanding is, is like, you could make you'd have like one cube that is the real physical object at one corner of the room, and then you would direct Mm -hmm. various mirrors and lasers. At that object, and then you would create mm. the image of a cube on the other side yeah. of the room.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious how the hell they've done that with like moving. Would they, well, with they like moving? Yeah, 3D? I
0: mean that's the whole thing that like I.
1: Well, hold on. There at the top of this page there was something. Okay, because um, a cube. Because I would think that a cube, like a hologram of a cube not that I know how to do it but it's not moving it's a it's a uh it's static right so Uh, ah so
0: so here's the thing so this is how things like the holodeck in Star Trek and these performances that you're talking about I think this is mm -hmm. like actually how they're working so because when you think about that it's like well if you don't you can't like project Michael Jackson apparently unless you have the physical Michael Jackson there. So like, <laughs> why, right. why are you doing this hologram thing? But right, what we but these things that we've seen more recently are actually entirely computer generated. So mm-hmm. uh, what that means is that um, that kind of light source. So I'm really explaining this badly, but like. <laughs> the way so be in when you're using a physical object the way the hologram works is that you're you're kind of bouncing light
1: off of it from two different directions yeah, yeah. and a computer creating the 3d right 3d image yeah. right and so a
0: computer can also mimic that idea of taking a physical object and then pointing two sources of light at it and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so the computer doesn't need the physical item anymore. It you can program all of the things in and that's what yeah. makes the hologram of these things
1: that we're talking about. Interesting. Now Indeed. why were they called gemini holograms? <laughs> that is a good they... question because they were real people. <laughs> yeah, I was like were they holograms? I'm confused. I no. mean it's a, I still stand by the was... fact that it's a fun name. It was because she had Synergy
0: through her earrings. And when she would press her earrings, she could speak to Synergy, which was like this supercomputer that her dad made before he mysteriously
1: died. And... Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. No, no, no. hold on. I'm not going to make you explain that again because I ha- did not remember that. But is th- what, you're, what it sounds like to me is Gem and the Holograms is sci-fi. You're right. We probably could do gem in the
0: hologram. Let's do it. <laughs> we can. Okay, deal. Anyway. Um, but so I think the holograms in that, and I guess now we'll find out for sure in some time. Um, <laughs> was that she could have synergy like put like because gem was a holographic image that was overlaid of the real person. That she was, which I want to say her name was something weird, like Jessa oh. or something.
1: Okay, well, I guess we'll deep dive into that when we yeah. do that episode, but... Yeah, um, we can't, like... Uh, we can't get bogged down in that, that. right now, because yeah. I could ask a lot more questions. But what's um, interesting... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. That Go ahead. <laughs> what I was going to say is, so this show that we watched
0: for this week... Um, They have the physical item that they are also projecting into the sky. So this is pre-computer modeling type of holography
1: uh, that we're talking about
0: here. So I know, guys. Hello, everyone. Welcome to See You Next Week in Space. (laughs) I'm Sarah Walsh. I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. I know you've been dying. Like this talk of holography by two real experts in physics. I know, Mm it's just, like, scintillating uh, for you guys. Um, But, Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we're talking about this week?
1: Yeah, so we're talking about an episode of The Six Million Dollar Man, which was a show that ran between 1974 and 1978. The specific episode we watched was Nightmare in the Sky, Season 4, Episode 2, and it aired on the 26th of September in 1976. Indeed, and so this I think con- like falls into our
0: summer blockbuster series in the sense that the six million dollar man um is a pretty beloved show um and certainly was a big hit in the seventies um it hasn't yeah. maybe had as much staying power as that might suggest um in the long yeah. term um but I would say that like I've feel like. The 6 million dollar man is like generationally specific in the sense that like I had I you know so I'm born in 81 and I had heard of this but I had yeah. no meaningful frame of reference but no me neither Friends of mine who were born in the late 70s even 79 were like oh yeah I totally know
1: that like
0: that's interesting um,
1: and and my question is is there a show <laughs> The uh, me sounding stupid number 2. Is there a sh- there's also a show called The Bionic Woman, right? Yes. There is. Okay, is that a spin-off of this yes, show? Yes, or... it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cuz that one I've heard of. Yeah. And so,
0: I mean, and what's funny about that is like even someone who was born around when the show was wrapping up, the fact that they're they know it and are into it. Um, I think that suggests that there was syndication probably
1: in the mix with
0: this show. And that's probably why, like by the time I was aware of television, it probably just wasn't happening anymore, you know, because by then it would have been the mid eighties and someone enough older than me could remember it in a way that I wouldn't, um, but yes, Bionic... It's very 70s to me, I will say. It is extremely like 70s. I was getting, in fact, uh, and we can talk about this, I was getting real Wonder Woman vibes off this show mm-hmm. as well, not only for its look, but even the storyline seemed very similar mm-hmm. to the Wonder Woman episode we talked about. Yeah. Um, and so let's just start with the IMDb description of the show as a whole. Um Uh, It says, after a severely injured test pilot is rebuilt with nuclear-powered bionic limbs and implants, he serves as an intelligence agent. Um, This, and as you pointed out, uh, it spins off into the bionic woman, which is kind of a similar situation where a woman has similar implants put in. Um, I didn't know this, but in fact, this was based on a really smash a book, like a big best-selling book from 1972 mm. called Cyborg, which was written by a guy named Martin Caden. Um, and so, uh-huh. in fact, The Six Million Dollar Man, uh, its working title as it was coming out was Cyborg uh, before
1: they finished Okay, and up. I have a quick question. Sure. Uh, Cyborg is a much more boring name, so I get <laughs> why they didn't go with it. But here's my question. Is it called <laughs> me sounding stupid? Number three, is it called the six million dollar man because this like turning him into this cyborg or um rebuilding him into this nuclear nuclear powered bionic whatever that all costs six million dollars? Yes, okay. At the time, which I is- never knew that before. I never yeah. like I've heard because I've heard of this show, I never even. I guess I never even questioned it. Like, yeah. why, why, like, why, why would it, it be called that? that?
0: Yeah, so when this show originally... Well, so, okay. Um, before the show, The Six Million Dollar Man, there were three TV movies released um, in 1973. And I guess, if I understood correctly, basically what it was is they were like three different pilots of the same show. Like cuz you know how like in the olden days when you did a first episode, you might do like a longer one to like draw people in and to set up the story and explain some stuff. Um so over the course of 1973, three different TV movies about the 6 million dollar man came out to kind of peak interest oh, wow. in the show. And they were really popular or no. They came out because the book was popular, those TV movies were popular, and so then they do the series. Um, And in the context of that, we do learn that the bionic implants that Steve Austin gets um, are equivalent to $6 million in 1974, which adjusted for today, he would be the $37 million man today.
1: You know what? (laughs) You know what? I think they should make that. I think they should make a show and call it the $37 million man. And it's just like the exact same show, but like increased for um for inflation. You know, the, yeah, exactly.
0: Um I think they should do that. Yeah, no, I think it would I mean, based on just when I've mentioned this week that I was talking about this, and like I said, there was some reactions that
1: suggested there's a market for that. Um and I it, bet you there is because as we've learned like nostalgia yeah. works and no one wants and to do like, a new idea they, they... no never that's way too hard um too nobody hard. likes new ideas but like and they've really hit the nostalgia for like i feel like the millennials like they've done yeah. they've done reboots of lots of our our shit right but i feel like maybe they haven't gone as hard for some of the like what what's what's the generation that was born in the 70s Gen X Gen X they haven't done as much for them so give throw them a bone I mean ironically Gen X people would be like how dare you
0: make something for me <laughs> um I don't like to be seen in this way um but no I <laughs> really think, that's like a thing I I well I think they would be eager like I think something like this is a really good property to go to, both because, as you already pointed out, we have The Bionic Woman and The Six Million Dollar Man. They worked together often, like, so that, The Bionic Woman ran from 76 to 78, Um, and then they also, after both series were over, they did a bunch of additional TV movies, the both of them together, between 1987 and 1994. So there's mm. a lot of people who probably would be into this in some capacity. I think so. Um and I think especially because there's like so much more I don't know, like because people like first of all, I'm just like, "Oh great, he's not a superhero. Excellent." You know, like it's technology that yeah. made him smart or strong or whatever cool. Um much and, more
1: interesting. And yeah. and I think people are in and you know, and sci-fi in general, I know it never like died, but I do feel like um <laughs> I do feel like nerd culture, let's say, mm-hmm. um, is having a is having a resurgence. So I think it's it been good having timing. One. I know, but I feel like it's even maybe for even more generations. Like I feel like, okay, they did it say they did a thirty seven million dollar man, you would get the Gen X nerds and their kids <laughs> but I think you would also yeah. get yeah, I think you would also get the Gen Z nerds. Like, yeah. I think they'd be into it, too. Yeah. Um, no, I think it it certainly has
0: a lot of possibilities. Um, and especially because if you did want to have it set in the 70s, that's, like, also something that's just a bit fun. Um, mm-hmm. The last thing to just say kind of up top about the whole thing, just so with that we know, because I wasn't sure about this, in terms of the nuclear bionic parts that Steve Austin has, um, his right arm is special. Both legs are special. And his
1: left eye is special. Um, his left eye did look a little fucked up. <laughs> um, his left eye. I think, didn't it? I don't
0: think it looked fucked up, but they always did close ups on it when he was doing, like, so you knew oh, that he was using his bionic powers. Oh, I didn't get that. It was similar to... Maybe it, did, maybe it didn't
1: look fucked up. Maybe I'm misremembering. It was similar
0: to how when Manimal would go in on his eye and then they'd show a little animal that he was about to turn into. Yeah. It
1: was kind of similar yeah, to yeah. that. Okay. I I forgot about that show or that movie. That, whoa. That that was like an acid flashback. Um, that checks out. I I guess I do remember them closing up on his eye now that you say it, but I guess I didn't quite put together what was happening.
0: And we shall... One of the things I do want to talk about is, so he's got all these bionic parts, but then the things he does in this particular
1: episode don't seem super impressive most of the time. (laughs) I am so glad you said that because I will admit as is usually the case. No one's surprised. I was a bit distracted watching this mm. for technical reasons. But also I didn't follow a lot of what was happening. And I was I was sometimes being like in my head I was like, I know this okay, he's supposed to be special in some type of way, but I didn't quite <laughs> gather how? Like, yeah. I feel like I mean, I'm remembering a part where he sort of puts a plane back together,
0: right? But that's like, the mo- and that's the most impressive thing that he does, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, um,
0: yeah. In terms I of guess, like, I using guess so, but I
1: can't.
0: His bionic implants. I
1: can't remember what else he does. That's like the one part that's sticking out in my memory. But other than that, like. I don't recall much that he yeah. does that's that special. And that's,
0: and again, that's why it's kind of fun and funny to think about how things worked, you know, I guess now almost 50 years ago when the show began. Um, mm-hmm. Because I presume for
1: a 1970s audience, what he was doing was probably impressive enough Um but Sure, looking, and they also probably, they couldn't do certain types of, now it would probably be, I'm sure the $37 million man would be ridiculous in the things that he could do and there would be like crazy, uh, you know, effects and all of that right. and they probably couldn't afford all of that or they didn't right. have all of that back in right. the 70s.
0: Yeah, Um. so we'll talk more about that as we go through some mm-hmm. of the kind of supposedly impressive things that he does. <laughs> um so we begin of course in the cast. Uh there aren't many people we really need to know in this episode, which is nice. And I think that's probably my guess is that's probably how it works every time. Um mm-hmm. because if you like if you really have an ensemble cast that's quite expensive, um so we don't really want to do that. Uh we have mm-hmm. the titular 6 million dollar man is Colonel Steve Austin
1: played by oh. Wait a second, I'm so sorry. Can I, I have a real quick question. Yeah. Isn't there, isn't there a WWE wrestler called Stone Cold Steve Austin? Correct. Is that after this?
0: <laughs> That's a very good, let's, let's look up good old Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Cause Austin. Cause I was just like,
1: and the whole time we've been saying Steve Austin, I'm like, where have I heard that before? Yeah. <laughs> um... That'd be funny, because I guess, like, Bionic, like, that would kind of work for WWE, right?
0: Yeah. So, hold on. Let's see here. Um, So, okay. Um, The Stone Cold is a separate development, but the Steve Austin part um, does seem to be probably inspired by... um, this character because the guy that's so funny. is Stephen James Anderson, um, so he he was oh, already Steve, um, but I presume he chose Steve Austin rather than Steve Anderson because of its resonance with being the six million dollar. That's
1: man. funny. Um, that's I just, really funny
0: because he was born in sixty four, so he would have been the ideal oh, totally.
1: generation. Um, oh,
0: that's so
1: funny to enjoy. It, be- it, it must that. be.
0: Yeah, I mean it doesn't yeah, specifically. Oh, he's from Austin, Texas as well.
1: Oh, maybe it's that then. Well, I feel. I well, maybe it's feel both. You it's- think it's both? I feel like it's got to be both. Um, okay. Okay. Anyway, that just—that's what came to mind when he said Devos. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: I. And, and that's right. I mean, um, and the- oh wait, hold on.
1: I don't know the character. Like I don't I don't know enough about like his the character of some called cool Steve Austin. Like if oh, it has anything to do with the-
0: Apparently, um no, he didn't pick this. This was um he was renamed Steve Austin by a booker that was having trouble distinguishing him from somebody else. So it probably
1: was just because he was from Austin Oh Texas. like Steve from Austin. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, now we that's know. That's interesting. Well, but he should say that he should say that it's cuz of the Yeah, show. I would that's I think
0: I would say that if I were like <laughs> uh if it came to, down Not to me. Not
1: Steve from Austin, that's yeah, more that's lame. Yeah, that's stupid.
0: Um <laughs> but ironically, Lee Majors is also from Texas. So just so Really? We know. Yeah. Um, interesting. So Lee Majors plays Steve Austin in this episode he was 37. Um, and normally I don't super care about people's personal lives and I try not to shame them, but Leah Majors had four wives over the course of his life, one of whom was his co-star in this episode, who was at the time going by Farrah Fawcett Majors, um, and Hmm. they were actually married from between 1973 and 82, um, and Hmm. I will talk more about their relationship shortly when we talk about good old Farrah Fawcett. Um, and his main, he seems like primarily someone who made their scene in TV rather than movies. Um, Mm -hmm. and specifically his big break was a TV show that I think was, must've been a Western called the big Valley. Um, Mm -hmm. and then a number of the other people in this cast were also in that because it was a rather long running show. Um, Hmm. The thing that I knew him from uh, was the the cameo that he does at the beginning of Scrooged,
1: um, where he's, like, shooting up Santa's workshop. Oh, my God. Wait, I've seen that movie, and I can't remember that part. That's funny.
0: This is a part that, like, though I have watched Scrooge many a Christmas for many a year, that, like, cold open hasn't stuck in my brain until relatively recently. Um, That's funny. And so he's in that... Um, And then his kind of, because by now he's getting older, so his kind of roles, he stays in TV, again, like, working regularly right up until about 2000, and then things start to slow down a bit, Um, but he's still got stuff in the pipeline, so he seems like he's maybe someone Mm -hmm. who wants to keep going until they really can't anymore. Um, so maybe he does have some sort of bionic energy in him that's gonna...
1: Maybe he's really bionic. (laughs) I know. Um, the next character is his boss,
0: I guess. I wasn't totally sure of the relationship between these two people. But the character's name is Oscar Goldman. And that's played by a 50-year-old Richard Anderson. Um, again... Much like um, Lee Majors, this is a guy who's been around for a long time. Uh, Lots of TV work in particular. Um, He also appeared in a couple episodes of The Big Valley. Um, He was in a TV movie, which I think, if I remember correctly, was vaguely inspirational to Dan Aykroyd. The TV movie was called Ghost Breakers. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then he was also... He played the same character that he is in this show in The Bionic Woman as well. uh okay. Because okay. I think what it is is that Oscar is in charge of, like, a secret American intelligence agency that Steve Austin and The Bionic Woman, whose real name I can't remember now, both work for. Um... Well, also, I mean, the person who really, I think, I recognized immediately and was excited because I didn't totally realize she was in this episode um, is Farrah Fawcett, who was 29 when this She's episode came out. She's the only one out. I
1: recognized. Yeah, and yeah. she
0: plays a character named Major Kelly Wood. Um, so I, I didn't realize that Farrah Fawcett, she is also a Texas girl. She graduated from UT Austin mm-hmm. with a degree
1: in microbiology um that I definitely didn't know yeah
0: yeah um but she she did that but she only ever wanted to be an actress so I guess it worked out um and she was doing that uh throughout kind of the 60s and having decent success I would say like um but then she went on a blind date with Lee Majors in 1968 that was arranged by their respective publicists Um, that's weird. I know, I know. I'm like, what a world where, like, you have a publicist. I was like, first of all, I don't even think people really arrange blind dates much anymore,
1: which is maybe a good thing. I don't know. Um, but it does seem like in the age of technology, it's just like very hard to make that happen. Because well, then I guess you could say
0: you're going on a blind date every time you use an app or something. <laughs> like, Well, yeah.
1: Well, right. And you are, basically. But you have, like, some information, right? Yeah. And if, like, if I were ever set up on a blind date, I wouldn't be. But if I ever was... And I would be like, well, tell me their name, obviously. Well, yeah, them you get do, it's not not like, Google them. It's not literally like your publicist says, go to this place, you'll meet a stranger there. <laughs> like, well, I know. I know that's what I'm saying. But like, but even, but like in 1970, whatever, you couldn't Google this person. No, no, you wouldn't have that information at all. Um, but apparently, yes, you would say you would have hopefully have their name. <laughs> you would have their name and some kind of description
0: of them, presumably. I guess. Like, um, but this in this case, it must have gone well because that was in 1968, and they got married in 1973. Hmm. Um, and then unfortunately, though, so she's at this point when she's in this episode, she is not yet a Charlie's Angel. Um, but she mm. would be soon. And I think Charlie's Angels comes out in 77. I think that's right. Um, and she, of course, is one of the breakout stars of that show. Um, and when that happens, as is often the case with, um, you know, marriages between celebrities, it seems to be, um, when she started having really great success, their marriage started to falter a bit. Um and that's too I, bad. I mean, it does seem to happen a lot, and I and I know that, like, anecdotally, it seems to be like when the woman has success and the man fails. Like that's, um,
1: and I mean, it's not like he was failing; <laughs> like he was right, doing right, fine. Right. No, um, when you're when you're at different, I think when you're, I think it's like when you're at different, even, uh, just like different points in a career, right? Because like right. any, most all careers. Especially in show business, like you, you yeah, have or, a peak, yeah, and then you know valleys and stuff. But also, you know, I think <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I am. I would love to talk to like a therapist to the stars and be like, "How come so many of them get divorced?" Yeah, this is like a problem. But I think,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think it's just like the nature of like that job is super stressful. There's lots of things about it that. It doesn't make for difficulties stability. in a, Like Yeah, there's like lo- and you know, there's there's you're meeting lots of people all the time that could pique interest or could like play in. I'm not saying that everybody cheats, but like right. it could play into some issues of insecurity and stuff. So I think the ones that <laughs> I know nothing, but the ones that make it work, I think, are ones who like have like Deeply good communication <laughs> skills, or something, oh, yeah, for that sure. like, or just like different, more realistic expectations for what like the ebbs and flows of life yeah. are. I, don't I know. mean,
0: I think as well, like, you know, so by the time she was hitting it big with Charlie's Angels, she was like in her early 30s, um, and He's older than her by a bit, so he. it's mm-hmm. also like, you know, oh, my day is closing, yours is starting, and, yeah. like, I feel old, and, you know, like, all these yeah. things.
1: Also, also, I'm just real, like, not just realizing, but also a lot of celebrities <laughs> are really attractive, obviously, so Indeed. you might get, like, intoxicated by the fact that, like, you're around all these attractive people, and then you're in, like, a show with them, and it's, like there's some chemistry, and then you realize, oh, they're kind of a shitty person.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could be distracted by that as well, for sure. <laughs> I was just surprised, though, because as much as I remember her being, like, this big bombshell from Charlie's Angels, and it was, like, such this big deal, she was only ever in 29 episodes of the whole show. So she was hmm. she was there for, like, a season and a bit. Um, hmm. Because, and again, this is... A, a, this is yet another phenomenon that we see that I would be intrigued for somebody to speak to, which is when an actor does really well in like an ensemble cast show, and mm-hmm. then they immediately are like, fuck these guys, I'm going to be a movie star kind of thing. Yeah, Um. And how, that happens
1: very often. It
0: happens very often, and I would say within that, it very often turns out that that movie career never materializes in the way mm. that you would imagine.
1: Um, now, yeah. I certainly am not I don't saying... think it happens anymore, though, because, I mean, not in the same way, because I think TV or, I mean, the, the TV and movies have kind of, like,
0: They're kind blended. of just all con- <laughs> They're just all content.
1: Yeah, basically, because, like, this, this is a movie, but it's only on my. I've only ever seen it on my TV, and I mean, I not just because I watch it, but you know what I mean. Like it only, it's, uh, it's yeah, it is all kind of all the same. It's like whether or not there's episodes versus it's one long thing. <laughs> That's well, kind of the only difference at this point.
0: I mean, I think yeah, there's like maybe a bit of fluidity between, like, are you truly just a TV star or are you just a movie mm-hmm. star or are you yeah. Like a star across the board. But yeah, what I would say is like, I think that on the one hand, you should certainly like if you've got the opportunity and the ambition, sure, I guess pursue that movie career. But maybe that's what we're seeing more now is that the people who do that are like, but I'm still going to keep this TV gig going. Um, because yeah, I've, totally. I've learned from the past Not to burn this bridge, and I'm and maybe Mm -hmm. and maybe it's actually a good career move to be in this super successful TV show and you know, like do an occasional movie for a while to try and convince people that I'm a quote unquote real actor or quote unquote movie star or whatever thing someone is chasing. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas it does seem like in the past people were much more like, I'm burning this bridge because I've gotten a role in this other thing. And it's like, I don't know why you mm-hmm. would do that, but okay. Yeah, it's, not,
1: it's not a great choice. <laughs> um, but that is indeed what she did.
0: And, I mean, from what I was able to deduce, I mean, she's obviously, she remained a star. She was a big deal. But I, I'm i guessing that that probably really hurt her career Um a lot more than she would have expected it to um nonetheless she and majors divorce in 82 and soon after um she starts dating the other another actor ryan o'neill father of tatum um and they Mm -hmm. don't marry as far as i think that's right they don't ever get married but they stay together for kind of a long time they have some separations but they basically stay in each other's lives until her death in 2009 um Mm -hmm. so uh some other highlights for her of course she famously posed for playboy in 1995 when she was at the disgusting age of 48 um Gut race. I know c- created quite a stir <laughs> um but I didn't m- remember that yeah I mean but most kind of like of course we have to mention she was also the mom and man of the house uh featuring oh Chevy my Chase my favorite
1: role of hers uh, it, it might favorite I mean role. legitimately I think it is my favorite role of hers I'm not even kidding I mean well no, I don't I actually don't know about that because I didn't Actually, in that movie, I mean, she did a good She's job. Fine. But I yeah, actually, it could have been anybody. I don't think I, I think in that role. Probably. Yeah, yeah, but I'm. I just my point, like uh, of being like a child when I watched that movie. Like, I didn't agree with her character a lot. Indeed, I yes. I saw it more from the child's perspective. So. I think I still do when I watched it recently. I think I still... I think she was moving... I think, yeah. <laughs> I think she moved too fast, and I think Chevy Chase shouldn't have moved in with them. So, Definitely yes, not moved I in. Like, it's one thing to date this guy, but, like, to have him move in is quite a lot. Um, and in that space, like, come on. Get I it together. Know. No, this is not... Like, I mean, I love that apartment. It's actually one of my, like, top favorite, uh, like, living spaces in a movie maybe ever. <laughs> wow i do love it wow i love intense <laughs> yeah i love I, I well and i think the other one that i love so they're kind they're similar in some ways is the one that he moves into in big in the city so i love oh, like a lofty sure. like warehousey type of okay thing. all right cool yeah um
0: The other thing, weirdly, we've mentioned Michael Jackson a number of times in this episode, which I wouldn't have expected. (laughs) Um, The other thing, of course, is like when Farrah Fawcett died, like there had been this big build up to her death because she uh, got anal cancer in 2006 and was quite public about it. She even did like a documentary series about it. Um, Mm. So everyone was kind of primed for her death. And then when it came, mm. she was upstaged by Michael Jackson, who also died. I can't remember if it was on the same day or in the same week, but it was like
1: I do shocking. sort of remember that. Yeah, I do sort of remember that time because um, June twenty. She died on June twenty fifth. Michael Jackson died um, on June twenty fifth. Wow, that jerk. <laughs> <laughs> what an ass. <laughs> I mean, just couldn't let the woman have her own death day.
0: Even one day, not even one. Not even day one day was hers to have. Mm. No, I mean, Mm-mm. that is I feel like I'm going to remember that and that's like something that I've heard on different podcasts where the podcasters are our age. They talk about, like, if you want to talk about being upstaged, you can just say, like,
1: Michael Jackson, Farrah Fawcett. And people of a certain age are like, fuck, yes. Like, <laughs> remember that. <laughs> it, you, like, like, you don't even have to use the word upstage anymore? Like, we're changing the words to just, like, Michael Jackson, Farrah Fawcett? I that think it upstage. could just
0: be called, I was Farrah Fawcetted.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: Um, <clears throat> the last two people we need to know... Um, are a character named Dr. Martin Davis, played by a forty-six-year-old Donald Moffat or Moffat. I'm not totally sure. Moffat. Moffat. Um, the reason I can't pronounce it is because he's born in England, so he's got there's Englishiness <laughs> happening there. Um, I recognize this guy immediately, um, and didn't know he was British because everything I've ever seen him in, he plays an American. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, and that's because he moved to the U.S. with his wife, who was an American woman, uh, like, in the 60s, I want to say. And he began as a theater actor. uh, Specifically, he did quite a lot of Shakespeare stuff, which is, like, you know, the British-y aspect of his life. Um, And then he went into, much like quite a lot, pretty much everyone in this cast... Uh, made like a shocking amount of TV stuff um, throughout the 60s and 70s, including a TV movie called The Devil and Miss Sarah from 1971. And I'm curious to know what that's all about. (laughs) Um, But the things that I probably recognized him from the most were he was one of the characters in The Thing. He was one of the guys there. And um, he played Steve Martin's dad in House Sinner.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know who you were talking about until you said that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, That's so funny.
0: Finally, we have a character called Larry Stover, played by a 49-year-old, Dana Elkar. Um, this guy was not super recognizable to me, though he probably should have been because he... Went on to be a series regular in MacGyver. Um, I think he was like MacGyver's mm-hmm. like, not boss exactly, but like I think he kind of played like the Ost, uh, What is his name? Oscar Goldman to MacGyver in that show.
1: Um, mm-hmm. I don't know MacGyver very well. But that's all we need to know. I know, know. Gruber, but I don't know oh, MacGyver. Boy, oh, boy. Uh, we don't <laughs> getting, have the time. Don't really, we don't have the time. I don't really that. know MacGruber that well either.
0: We don't have the time <laughs> for that. Um, so then we get into this episode, which really and truly, this might be the thing that I watched. And like when I look at my notes,
1: like maybe the least happened of anything we've ever watched. Um, I feel like it was a lot of them like in a jeep in a desert yeah there was like a lot of set pieces but there was no b
0: story at all yeah um yeah. and and again this is like interesting because i i wouldn't say i was bored watching this but i was like how did they fill up all that time it's like 48 minutes long but hardly anything actually i happens. will say
1: yeah, I will say it felt interminably long to me because <laughs> it, like, as mentioned, I had some like technical difficulties, so it like stopped playing every five minutes and I was just mm. about to like lose that my parody. goddamn mind. And it kept like going back to different, and I was like, oh I just, this is so long. <laughs>
0: Woof, that
1: sucks. Um, yeah, it's the worst. Anyway. So we start out with the credits.
0: Um, where, again, if you didn't watch this show, you would get an explanation of who Steve Austin is and how he's the six-million-dollar man. Um, And this is where we get um, kind of one of the main things that, weirdly, I recognized some of this, even though, as I said, I I don't have much association from childhood with this show, Um, because he gets into this massive plane crash, and then we hear a voice say, gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. Um, and then later, in this same little voiceover, he comes back better, stronger, and faster, which is also the name of a Kanye song. So clearly he knew about this
1: show. Um, better, stronger, faster? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's also a Daft Punk song called Stronger, yeah. Faster, Better. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's right. <laughs> um. So then we actually get into the show itself. And here we have Steve, Oscar, and Larry at some airfield, and they're watching Kelly testing a new style of plane known as the XJ-7. I don't recall that there's anything particularly special about this plane, but, you know, a new piece of tech presumably for the U.S. Armed Forces. And what they get told, and what Kelly gets told specifically, is that the flight that the uh, flight area has been cleared so that she can do any kind of test that she wants. Um, and I think we get to see whoever is actually flying this plane do kind of like a loop-the-loop sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I also wrote in my handwritten notes, Steve's mustache exclamation point. Um, so, (laughs) this is where we, like, the 70s-ness of this is really intense. Because, like, I remember thinking, like, looking at all of the guys in their 70s suits, um, (laughs) I think Steve Austin is in a pale powder blue suit, in fact, in this. Oh, my God. Um, you know, there was something about, like, most eras, the cut of a suit doesn't change very much so you're like okay so that's an mm-hmm. 80s suit and that's a 90s suit and that's and that's a 2000 and you can tell a bit you know kind of by like the shoulders yeah. or like the the how many pleats are in the pants or whatever um yeah but the 70s style 70s of suits suit were specific is like we take all what we know about a suit crumple that up throw it in the trash it doesn't matter anymore. Well, they have- <laughs>
1: There was lots of pockets. I feel like, right, there was, like, the pockets were weird. Like, I'm well, picturing in my head... Not even...
0: It was more that, like, I, the pockets were made to be seen, I guess, is what I would
1: say. Right, right, right. Say. I, Well, I, I'm picturing in my head, like, a Mike from the Brady Bunch. And, like, oh, I feel like... yeah. He, that, like, more, like... Do you know, he looked like he was about to go on a safari. <laughs> but I'm picturing, like, specifically picturing, like, a, I guess it's a suit, a brown suit with, like, yeah. orange pockets. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So they're all in variations of this, talking to each other while she's up in the sky doing this um, test flight. And it seems Mm -hmm. apparently that Steve is taken a bit by surprise that Kelly is the test pilot. And then we get a good old flashback.
1: Sexist.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, probably that. But also we learn more (laughs) that the reason he's perhaps making a weird face when he learns this is because they have had a romantic interlude in a previous episode of this show. Um, That, and when I was watching this, I was like, is this from an actual previous episode or have they like made this? And it turns out it is from an actual previous episode of the show. Mm, Um, Okay. So in that, episode they also had a love interest thing so he and i guess he's not seen her since then so that's that um (laughs) then while she's up there she starts reporting down to them that she has uh, there's another plane in the sky and specifically it's this style of plane um it's a world war ii era plane called a japanese zero um Mm -hmm. and so she sees it plain as day but down on the ground and in the like radar booth and whatever they're like no what are you talking about there's nothing there um and she's like I swear it's there it's definitely
1: there um and and they're like no you just have your period you're not seeing (laughs) everyone knows how having your period (laughs) makes women hallucinate everyone knows that you're Um, just emotional you're you're not being hysterical
0: (laughs) (laughs) um so but then right right as we're going into commercial break she feels she thinks she sees it firing on her and then as well her her plane starts to lose power so we go to break being like oh no what's gonna happen to kelly we come i didn't feel that way but yeah (laughs) (laughs) we come back from break and I was surprised by how much they jumped over. I guess this is how you do 48 minutes without doing much. Um, because Yeah,
1: she was like fully fine in a hospital bed sitting yeah, up.
0: Yeah, she's back yeah. in the hospital. And we learn, we're just told that she was found wandering in the desert with no memory of what happened. But there was no plane
1: so, that does seem like a part they should have shown, at least.
0: <laughs> but some okay, of it. like at least, like if right? you're going to do the cliffhanger of like, oh no, the plane's going down, oh no, and right. then you cut to person in hospital bed, I want to know how they got out of it. <laughs> like, totally. Um, but I guess then the point is, is if we had seen that, it would have revealed something. About uh, the rest of the story too early, I guess. Or something, I guess. I guess.
1: Um, well, they could have gotten it over with, I guess.
0: Or they could have just found a way to tell the story in an inter- more interesting way.
1: Well, at um, least, well, because I think that we could have, could we not have, like, opened back up after the break into her wandering. At least that, like, seeing the wandering, maybe. Right. Like, or, like. Do you know what I mean? Or something. Yeah,
0: or a bit of her going down, and maybe we think we see her land the plane, and then we see her wandering around, and then we see. Yeah. Anyway, we don't, we don't see yeah. any of that. Um, Nothing. But, so, weirdly, she has no memory, but. What memories she does have, she is adamant about them. Um, mm-hmm. I was waiting for her to say the phrase of all crazy people everywhere, which is, I know what I saw. <laughs> I, I was waiting for that. It didn't come. I was a bit disappointed that it didn't. Um, but nonetheless, she's like, Listen, there was a plane up with me. I don't re- remember what happened after that. Um, And then she notices that she's in this hospital room with um, a guard at the door and not bars over the window, but, like, a fence or, like, some kind of lattice. Yeah. Of something. I
1: didn't even notice what the heck that was. I didn't really get what that was. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's definitely not actual prison bars, but it has to be something uh, kind of serious because then, late, like we need it to be not just any old thing because Steve lets her out in a minute. Oh, um, okay. Because then we follow uh, the men out of the hospital room, and Oscar, Steve, and Larry are like, "What could possibly have happened? Why doesn't she remember anything?" what is this story she's telling us you know whatever um and larry in particular let slip that kelly is being charged um i'm not sure what she's being charged with exactly um i don't know if it's like (laughs) possibly that she's a spy um or just kind of like some sort of like Um, penalization for losing this million-dollar plane. I'm not totally sure. Mm. So Steve is like, wait a minute. I mean, Kelly's a nice person. Like, I can't believe we're really seriously treating her like a prisoner. So he goes to her hospital room, but he speaks to her outside the window. Um, And he's like, Kelly, (laughs) Kelly, you can tell me what happened. And she's like, I did tell you what happened. Like... Uh, I saw this plane, I don't remember what happened after that, and then I was wandering in the desert. And he's like, duh. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, and then she, I, I can't remember if this is when she starts saying this or not, but there's, the theme for her is that she has to figure out for herself uh, what happened to her memory and what happened to the plane The memory is for her own edification. The plane is to save her career as a pilot, Um, Mm -hmm. and so she's like, "But now I can't do anything because I'm cooped up, in basically in this hospital prison cell situation."
1: Oh my god! Let me the fuck tell you, hospital prison sounds Sounds
0: bad. Sounds real bad. That's.
1: That is worse than a hospital alone or a prison alone. Hospital prison Well, I was going to
0: say horrible. we should do a show called Hospital Prison, and it should be, be like a horror <laughs> show. But then I realized
1: yes. I think American
0: Horror Story already did it when they did Asylum.
1: I guess that's kind of what an asylum is, right? As a I hospital think so. Prison. I guess so. Yeah, but I think more specifically, like... Uh, I don't know because <laughs> that's like a, a psychiatric hospital and I guess you it would turn into a psychiatric situation as soon as someone imprisoned me in a hospital but like I, I would want it to be like my show of hospital prison I would like to be more like straight up like slasher horror I guess fair more enough than like okay American Horror Story I think was a little bit more psychological right right
0: okay I could anyway see it. we can workshop it
1: hospital yeah hospital, hospital, hospital prison, prison. M- the worst just no but also like i feel gym. like it
0: should take all the tropes of like both prison shows and hospital shows so like in hospital yeah. part it's like order uh, what is it? Um, interns like learning how to be residents, like having weird intrigues in their it's personal lives. It's like General lives. Hospital. <laughs>
1: yeah. General Hospital. General Hospital meets Orange Is the New Black, and like boom, and then but also yeah. horror in like in between.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's something there. We can work on it. Um, <laughs> so basically, Steve decides that he's going to help her do this, and so he helps her escape from the hospital prison by peeling back <laughs> this weird lattice of metal that's across the window with his bionic hand.
1: And this is, like, Love it.
0: the first time, and we're, like, well into it. There's, this is probably at least 10 to 12 minutes into the show. And this is the first, like, quote-unquote bionic
1: thing we've seen this guy do. And I immediately was, like... And I didn't even get that he, it was bionic. I was just, like, oh, he's strong.
0: Yeah, I was like, that doesn't seem super special. Like, I immediately was like, that's his thing? Um, And in fact, it's so non-interesting. Kelly even says, oh yeah, I forgot about that bionic thing. (laughs) Well. Um, So... She says it was easy to forget. He was like, how could you forget? And she was like, it was pretty easy, actually. And I was like, wait, what?
1: It's pretty easy because, like, your powers kind of suck.
0: Your powers just seem like you're just a really strong, normal human being and not a Basically, man. like, you
1: just, like, work out a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, because he... So he pulls back that thing. She climbs out of the window and then the, like, orderly is knocking on the door, and the other thing he does is he, like, bends the doorknob so that they can't mm. get into the room. Again, pretty... Yes, you would have to be strong to do that. I'm not sure a nuclear bionic implant is necessary for that uh, yeah, I, to happen. Yeah, I feel like
1: I see that in, like, other things. Where, I know. Like, yeah. Um... So then once they've escaped and done
0: a nice costume change so that they can be in desert wear, um, they're driving around in a Jeep near where Kelly was found wandering around. And I think they're hoping it jogs her memory in order to find this plane. What does happen though, unfortunately, is that Kelly and Steve like separate and while Kelly's walking around, She sees what she believes to be an apparition of Dr. Martin Davis. And he identifies Mm -hmm. himself as Dr. Martin Davis. And he says,
1: I died here. And disappears. That would be unnerving. It would be indeed.
0: Um, And so then we get another commercial break. And when we come back... Kelly and Steve have reunited, and Kelly is freaking out. She's like, I think maybe you guys were right when you said I was hysterical and hallucinating because I just saw a man appear out of nowhere and tell me his (laughs) name and that he died here. And Steve is like, that's very strange because apparently Steve knows who this Dr. Martin Davis guy is, but he's like, but you don't know him. And she's like, of course I don't know him. Like... Duh. Um, So they radio back to Oscar about this incident. And apparently it's enough. I'm not sure proof is quite the right word. um, But it's enough of something for Oscar to be like, okay, something weird is happening. Uh, I like give you permission to continue to investigate with the escaped prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we follow like that radio call onto Oscar's side and he's sitting in an old nineteen seventies limo on an old nineteen seventies quote unquote car phone. Um, which <laughs> which was great, you know. And of course I was remembering, I was like, Oh yeah, remember when like having a car phone was like the height of
1: wealth and like status? And, and I remember Yeah, totally. But what I kind of remember about car phones, at least, like, some of the, like, random people that I can think of that had them, you had to, like, plug them into the car. They weren't necessarily, they didn't necessarily, like, come with the car. Maybe fancy people's did like in a limo or something, but I remember, like, I can't remember who it was that I knew that, like, had one, but they would, like, never plug it in, so it's, like, what's the point of even having this? Oh, yeah, I think it
0: charged using something like the lighter in
1: the Yeah, car. I think so. Some, I mean, and maybe that was, like, a janky version of it, but, like, uh, I feel like I remember that. I'm, like, that seems so... Useless. I I guess the point being, like, if you're in an accident or something.
0: I think in a limo like this one was, it probably would have been built with the car phone in it, which to me then means that it would have been tied into, like, the electrical system of the car. But yes, it was, like, there was a version that you could hook into the lighter that would also provide power to the phone. Um, So he's there, and he's, like, sitting... Again, you see this a lot in, like, both 70s and 80s uh, movies and TV, which I I feel like I don't see these shots anymore. Like, he's sitting in this limo, talking on his car phone, with the window open, and we're looking at him through the window. Like, the shot is such so so we can see the exterior of the limo. It's open window. This person's sitting... And to, like, have somebody's profile be in the window of the limo, they would be sitting forward so they can be seen. Like,
1: right. I just was
0: like, what is
1: this? That's this? weird.
0: Um, but the point is so that then at the other window, Larry can pop his head up and be like, wait, you were just talking to this person who's escaped and you didn't have them turn them back in? Like, where is she? And Oscar's like, no, Mm -hmm. no, don't worry about it. I gave them permission to do some investigating. And Larry's like, do you think that's a good idea? Um, And it's like, look, you already did it. (laughs) Yeah, can't do much about it now. Um, When we return to the desert, it does seem as though Kelly's memory is slowly returning. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we as the audience finally get a reveal of a secret airbase where this man who we thought was simply an apparition turns out to be very very real.
1: Um Dr. Martin Davis Unless we're all hallucinating. Oh my god. No. Ooh, Twilight Zone. It was the <laughs> 70s. They weren't going to do like multiple
0: <laughs> twists in one episode. Yeah, um, I guess not. So at the secret airbase Davis is clearly, like, in charge of what all is going on there, but he also clearly has some mysterious boss with whom he's in communication. And the boss Mm -hmm. is saying, "Um, get ready, people are looking for you, um, and you need to stop them. And what... So Davis is like, okay, great, talk later. And then we see that this particular...
1: Uh, talk later Love you Bye That just that just, <laughs> that just seems like Such a funny response To like These people These people are doing this thing And they need to be stopped Okay cool yo um, You know Check in tomorrow <laughs> You got it Um. So But So This particular
0: airbase This is when we see That All throughout this Seemingly abandoned desert area They have all kinds of cameras Set up To watch. So Mm -hmm. they're watching Kelly and Steve drive up in their Jeep. They also have a bunch of lasers positioned all throughout this area. So they use the laser to kill the car's battery and the radio. So Kelly and Steve are stranded. Yeah, it's a bummer. And when they're stranded, uh, the. Then even to add like insult to injury, some snipers show up, God. and they are in. They are having bad luck. I know, and that so this the thing is. Well, I'll finish this thought before I say the next thing. So then the snipers um, shoot at them, shoot at the car. They of course hit the gas tank. The car explodes. Kelly and Steve are thrown to the ground, and Steve says just lay here, play dead, until the snipers leave. And so that's what happens. The snipers leave thinking that they've killed the two of them. Now, the thing, of course, is, is that this sniper thing was overkill. Because if they had just like made the car stop working, then there would have been two people wandering the desert or, or maybe they wouldn't even bother to wander the desert. Maybe they'd just be like, oh, we've got to deal with this car problem now. Let's go back. But as soon as you send snipers to kill someone, typically if the person survives, they're like, why was that area so heavily guarded? Why wasn't I allowed to be there? Um, mm-hmm. And so this is precisely what happens. They decide that they're going <laughs> to continue forward because they must be on to something. Um, we go back to the secret airbase where Davis um, implies to his secret boss that the, the, these two have been neutralized. And then we get the reveal mm-hmm. right before the commercial break that the big boss of this whole thing is actually Larry, the guy who's been pushing for Kelly to be arrested In the first place, Um, and this—I know Um, totally—but this reveal to me, as I said, was very much like when we did the Wonder Woman episode, and it's like the guy who we've been working with is also the guy who's doing this shady shit to make money to send like some kind of valuable uh, weapons material to like the Middle East or to the Soviet Union or something like it I guess it doesn't even matter where they're going but this is what we're doing um so finally after quite a bit of wandering around Steve and Kelly find the secret airbase as well and the reveal comes that the reason that because like they the U.S. Air Force had been like scouring the area for this plane and not been able to find it And apparently that was because the plane was parked under a gray
1: tarp. I mean... (laughs) Okay.
0: So from the air, it was not visible. (laughs) And so, therefore, it had, quote-unquote, disappeared. Um... And so uh, rather than kind of sneak into the secret Air Force base, uh, Steve takes a tire off a car with his bionic hand um, or arm and, like, throws it at the guards. Kelly, in the meantime, is, like, climbing into the plane, uh, and her goal is to, like, fly it back to where it belongs um, she gets off the ground. Larry, who has now also arrived at the secret air base, realizes what's going on and he tells Davis to take her down again, just as she had been taken down before by putting this hologram into the sky, um, to kind of trick her. While that's happening, Steve realizes that it's a hologram. Um,. And took him long enough. I know. Well, and then, and then we also get the other reveal. So, like, there's a, there's one set of lasers that create the hologram, and then there's a different set of lasers that kill the engine of her plane, just like the engine of the car got killed as well. So, mm-hmm. she then lands the plane. We get yet another commercial break. And when we come back, um, Steve and Kelly are tied up in the, like, base of operations, like, radio room. Um, and David and Larry reveal their plan that they had stolen this test plane to sell to someone. Like, they, there is no discussion mm-hmm. of who is getting this plane. Um, I wondered myself if it's just... Because it's the 70s, are we just meant to assume it's the Soviets? Or, like, is there something mm. else uh, involved? Hard to say. Um, yeah. But then, uh, and it actually, the way... Um, so they get th- those reveals. It's revealed that they're selling this plane. That's why they've done this in the first place, to sell to steal the plane, to sell the plane. Um, And now I'm remembering, I think maybe one of the appeals of this plane is that um, it can be broken down and put together really quickly with very few, um, like, people needed. I feel like I remember they say that at the beginning, which is perhaps the reason why they want to steal this thing. Um, Mm. So... Needless to say, Kelly and Steve get um, captured by the bad guys briefly. Um, But Steve, of course, breaks out of the ropes um, and starts beating up the bad guys. Um, For some reason, this is done in slow motion, which I'm not really sure why that's there. Um, Maybe just to make it look cooler. Cooler. Or more Mm. bionical in some way. Like, because they also play a funny, there's like a musical riff that happens when Steve is using his bionic powers. Um, Mm. And that's also happening here. Because, like, otherwise you'd be like, this is just a guy beating up some other guys. This doesn't look special at all. (laughs) Like, right. Right. um, So they, like, they manage to escape. But then, of course, this plane has been broken down into pieces to be shipped to wherever it's going. So this is what you remember where they're, like, putting together the plane. And specifically, yeah. Steve is by himself uh, with his bionic arm. So this is, to me, this is the only time we see him do something. Well, I guess when he threw the tire at people, that maybe counted as well. But, like... I forgot, yeah. Yeah. In truth, this is the first time we're seeing him do something that, like, not an, a very strong human could do, like, with time and right. practice. Right,
1: right. Um,
0: because he's lifting all of these panels of the plane to put them together while Kelly is doing, like, the smaller detail stuff, I guess, of, like, setting everything up. So, again, um, we're in a situation where now... That the plans have been foiled. Larry disappears off in his Japanese Zero plane. So that's what I was talking about before about the holography of this. They had a real Japanese plane that they were using to project the image of the Japanese plane.
1: Mm, uh, mm-hmm.
0: So he get he's in that. He's flying away, trying to escape. Um, now to me, if someone takes to the skies, they're gone.
1: <laughs> oh, a billion percent. Like
0: I, I'm not in a position,
1: I mean, tr- actually this is a I'm true... I'm not pursuing anybody in the sky. Is that this what you mean? Tr- like if am i going to pursue well, them once they're in the sky? I guess what I mean to say is like, I don't get how military combat, military combat
0: in the sky works. <laughs> Because it's the sky. And can't, no. can't yeah. someone just fly away and keep doing that into infinity? <laughs> um, so I don't know how it works. But basically, Kelly and Steve then go up in the plane that they put together, the XJ7, and they're radioing to Oscar. And Oscar says, okay, great, Um You've figured out all that's going on. Um, I'll get in touch with the Air Force. They'll come and catch Larry and Dr. Davis, presumably. Um, But you need to keep him busy while they get themselves together and get over there. So I don't really know what keeping Larry busy means. Again, because I don't understand air combat at all. Um, But when the Air Force does show up to capture Larry... I will say it was a pretty cool shot. Um, And I know you said that you've recently watched um, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, There was like a scene where they had like, maybe it was like four or five Air Force jets in a row, like staggered so that you could see the the noses of all five of them in a row before Mm -hmm. they like scattered to stop Larry. And I was like, that's a cool shot.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, and it, this I had moments where I was like, it was like, oh, Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> because technically at the beginning of that movie, he's a test pilot like she yeah. is.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess she's also, this is from the previous episode she's in, she's also the first female astronaut, apparently. Oh.
1: Um,
0: but so then we don't, again, this is where I don't understand. They, the, this show does not show payoffs. So we don't actually see Larry come to the ground and have, like, handcuffs or be taken away. We just hear through the radio, we got him, and they're like, great. And then commercial break, and we're at just some nondescript airplane hangar where Kelly has come. She's dressed for a date. Steve reveals that, unfortunately, they can't go on the date that he's invited her to because he has to go... To his next job immediately, but not so immediately that they can't have some champagne and dance to an eight-track of some song.
1: <laughs> and that's the end of the so show. So weird. That yeah, that is a weird ending to all of this. I mean Are they romantic are they romantically involved through the through line of this show? Well, I think it's implied because they had some sort of thing in the previous episode where she
0: appeared. Oh, okay. And I have to assume, based on how this show works, it's it probably was the same as this one, which is, like, we have a bit of interest in each other, but we can't actually like see it through because you've got to go on your next mission. Um, mm. And I don't even mean, like, see it through. I mean, like, literally, like, have one full complete date apparently is, like, yeah. not on the table. <laughs> Um, Ay-ay-ay. I mean, I, they kiss once in this show. I remember that. And so mm. I don't know where the romance happened. Like, I don't think it happened when they were in space <clears throat> the previous time. And I, I, maybe, it, maybe we're meant to believe that They don't have happened. time. They don't have
1: time for romance. <laughs> they well, just gotta, like...
0: I mean, that is also a thing, I think... Uh, in shows in general of a certain type um, where the lead characters legit like seem to have no other life than what they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is certainly in that mold. Um, But, yeah, so I just don't know where this supposed connection that they had... If it ever got developed or, like, if we're supposed to think, like, between when she appeared the last time and now, like, maybe after the space kerfuffle, maybe they had a (laughs) brief thing then and then now it's been some Mm -hmm. time and they see each other again now. I'm not totally sure about that. Yeah. Um, Hmm. But it certainly can't... Nothing can blossom this time because they literally apparently have enough time to have a bottle of champagne, and that's it. So yep. um, that's all they're doing. Wow, weird. Yeah, it's a bit of a hmm. weird one. Um, so let's just move on to yawns and eye rolls. Uh, mm-hmm. Yawns, one yawn is, um, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought this was totally fascinating. And weird. ten yawns is like, I could could barely keep my eyes open what would you give Mm.
1: it I feel like it was too long for what it was and I had technical issues so I'm going to say like five Mm. okay so right down the middle um yeah
0: yeah I mean I thought this was decently engaging but it was long feeling so maybe I'll say (laughs) three
1: Um, Yeah, that's
0: fair. In terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is, yeah, sure. I guess you can have an uh, augmented uh, man in the mix. Sure. Um, (laughs) And 10 eye rolls is like, this guy is doing way too much. Absolutely not. What would you give it?
1: Ooh. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't that I roll because again, he didn't do anything that crazy, like we were saying. I so, know. like if he was going around, it would be a different eye roll situation if he was going around. You like know, if he was using
0: his bionic legs to like jump
1: over. Yeah, something. or like or like punching people out a bunch, yeah. or like or like punching you know, at like rapid
0: speed.
1: Yeah, like that would be more like any. That would be more fun. Let me let me be yes. clear. That would be more fun, but it would also be more eye y at the same time. So, I don't know. Eye roll wise, I feel like it's not. It's like not that eye rolly. It seemed kind of mostly believable. So like, two.
0: Yeah, I might go full one because I'm like, yeah, I guess. Whoa. I believe. Like I, I was like, yeah, sure. You've reconstructed his limbs and that okay you know like i mean Uh we've certainly seen variations on that theme in science fiction before it's not like a new thing um and again like you were saying like the i i shudder to call it realism but uh (laughs) the fact they're not having him do anything even remotely fantastical in this. Yeah. And I don't know how other episodes go. I would have to see more, I think, to know for sure. But uh, what we didn't talk about is how hard it is to
1: find this thing. Um, <laughs> like, if yeah, I... Oh, so, so, for example, like, if, if the next question you might ask is, did you like it? Would you recommend right, it? Right. I would say it's fine. It's whatever. I kind of, like, neither here nor there about whether I liked it. But I wouldn't recommend it because it's a pain in the ass to find.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, that is a real downside to it. It is not easy to find. And that's a shame because I could see myself choosing this as a like, I just want to watch something relaxing and be decently Mm -hmm. entertained by it. And I think this delivers Mm -hmm. on that. So I liked it. Um... And I might, and I would recommend it for its content, but I would not recommend it for its ease of access because it is not easy to find. Um, Yeah. So, anyway, I would overall say this was a pretty good addition to our summer blockbuster series. Um, I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Ooh. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.